You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Christmas Eve. God, we got to get a life recording a podcast for Christmas Eve. That's a mess, Peter Apple. But do you want to go interactive right now? You want to see where I am for this Just Baseball show? The, uh, yeah. And and while you're showing the people on YouTube what your view looks like, we're currently looking at blue skies, blue water, palm trees, gorgeous scenery. You're on a balcony in Cabo. And... I came back to Santa Barbara, and on yesterday's episode, I was bitching and moaning about the fact that Santa Barbara is supposed to be this place that never rains, the fact that there's a drought every single year. And it's it's honestly not good because it genuinely doesn't rain. I get back here, first two days, rain. We could go interactive for me now. Now you describe my background to the people. Well, it looks like some patchy grass here, maybe some farmland that that once was about 20 years ago. That's not the case anymore. I do see that condensation dripping from the railings of your balcony right now. It's a gray, ominous sky, um, and it looks like a shitty time to be outside. It like just looking at your background just makes me depressed. But you know, I, at listen, least we get to talk about Hall of Famers today, and we love that, and that conversation is always going to make us feel better. But I, looking at that dampens my mood, if I can be honest with you, even though I'm happy for you. Are you kidding me? I might just hold the laptop up and just have it looking down at the palm trees and, and the water as far as the eye can see. Um, hey, just two quick things to rub in your face before we get into the Hall of Fame thing. Uh, number one, here on Thursday, December 23rd, I've just got a better life than you do. Yeah. this day at yeah. this moment in time i've got a better life than you do absolutely <laughs> um also i've got the blue wristband that allows me uh whatever alcoholic beverage i want for f- kind of free but not really <laughs> so so is this is this one of those podcasts where you've definitely enjoyed you know a few or five or, no, or you've been so- you know you've been you've been focusing on baseball you're writing about hall of famers you know you can't be too intoxicated can yeah you? F- full transparency uh, went on a walk this morning around 9 a.m., got poolside at about 10.30, got a pina colada okay. at 10.45. Okay. Uh, had a nice, cool Pacifico, uh, just draft beer at about 1, and now it's 4. So I'm I'm a sober skipper right now, but I, I have enjoyed my time, and I've had some tasty beverages. Cool. I'm 
the more you talk, the more it pisses me off. Now you're just flipping me off on camera. <laughs> this is straight up disrespectful now. But I am happy that you get to enjoy the sun because I just you're simply not. don't. And I'm not even going to keep talking about it anymore. I'm just pissed. We are, we're very close to tying the ball on the Hall of Fame conversation. Uh, Cooperstown, the weather is probably really bad in Cooperstown, New York right now. But a lot of guys want their bust there. Uh, they'll be there in the middle of July. They can refrain from visiting their bust in December or January. We're going to continue to talk about those guys, and we're saving four of the heaviest hitters. We already talked about Clemens, but we are saving for the heaviest hitters and, and for the guys where there's the most to talk about um, for this final hall of fame episode between Christmas and new year's that's going to come next week. But those four that we're saving for next week are Barry Bonds, Kurt Schilling, two problem children with entirely different problems. Gary Sheffield, who oh, no, we're, we're, we're doing case. Gary Sheffield today. Oh, that's come right. On, what that's are you right. doing? Uh, sorry. Andrew Jones. And Todd Helton and Andrew Jones and Todd Helton, like they are on the doorstep. Yeah, they're on the doorstep for sure. I mean, Andrew Jones, one of the best, maybe the best center fielder defensively of all time. And Todd Helton, Coors Field definitely helped. But there's I no mean, doubt that he raked. And then if, if I Schilling said, and Bonds, you know, they're going to be interesting. If I said Colorado Rockies, Todd Helton has to be the first person to come to mind, right? Or Larry Walker. Yeah, I guess for our generation, it's Todd Helton. Yeah. Also, I just younger, always think Tulo. Yeah, younger than us, I was going to say, he won't be. No shot, Tulowitzki's a Hall of Famer. But uh, yeah, for the generation just under us, I'd say Troy Tulowitzki's the guy. For the generation just above us, I'd say Larry Walker's the guy. But I mean, Todd Helton, like in our formative years of baseball viewing, that was like peak Todd Helton. That was big time. Peak Todd um, Helton. But we've got, we've got some freakazoids going today. You've got Jeff Kent and Gary Sheffield. I've got Manny Ramirez and Sammy Sosa. I'm excited for Sammy Sosa, um, but Manny Ramirez, dude, like this guy, we got a lot to unpack with Manny Ramirez. The most recognizable instance when it comes to Manny Ramirez is when he cut the ball off in left field with the triple or double cutoff man and made a diving play and then chucked it in. I feel like that just personified Manny Ramirez in a way that no other player can. Right, just a flawed character, a flawed yes. protagonist. I mean, but he could have been just, your favorite player. I think player. it perfectly describes it. Like, he, he dove for it. It was a great play, great diving, <laughs> athletic play to go get it. That he fired it in with his, with his arm. And But it's just so funny, this steroid conversation, because do you let them all in? Do you let none of them in? Do you let some in? I'm in the boat where I think if you're going to let in one, you let in all. You're in kind of in the boat where you are pro Bonds, Clemens, A-Rod, but maybe not some of these other guys. But maybe your tone has changed slightly as we continue to go through the ballot. I don't know. We've had text dialogue, and I just text you like, should this guy get in? And you're like, yeah. I mean, we have to check his box if like we're doing this. Yeah, I the way that I phrased it, last episode was if I look at your numbers and you're a no doubt first ballot hall of famer, um, if your record was entirely clean, then I think you should get it. Even if your record's not clean. And like these guys, I mean, especially these two that I have today, like their first ballot hall of fame resumes, but like they were just the most obvious cheaters on the ballot. Like, Oh my God. Um, 
I'm going to I'm going to have a gripe with you about Sammy Sosa, and I'm going to ask you to start with Sammy Sosa as as we get into it, because I think his whole deal about him being the steroid guy with Mark McGuire, that that incredible home run race that put um, baseball back on the map, which Commissioner Bud Sealing definitely held a blind eye to that one, because just you get into it, because then I have some stuff to say about Sammy Sosa. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Sammy Sosa was my first favorite baseball player. I've got this photo of me at my first ever baseball game. I'll send it to you uh, when I get back from paradise. Cubs Phillies at Wrigley in 1999. I'm absolutely rocking a sweet Sammy Sosa onesie. Another story. Apparently growing up, I thought every athlete was Sammy Sosa. So Mm. my aunt took me to a Pacers game in like 2000 and Reggie Miller was just going ballistic and everybody was chanting Reggie, Reggie. And I stood up and my ass said, Sammy Sosa. So those are my two Sammy Sosa stories. Um, Someone born on the day that Sosa debuted would have been eligible to vote by the time he hung it up. He played 18 seasons of Major League Baseball with 13 of them coming on the north side of Chicago. Sosa broke in as a 20-year-old with the White Sox. He split time between Texas and Chicago his first year. He hit four home runs in 58 games that year. From ages 21 to 26, he averaged 21 bombs a year. Then came 1996, his first 40 homer season. From 1996 to 2003, Sammy Sosa averaged 51 homers on a per-year basis. That's north of 400 home runs coming across eight years of baseball. His MVP year in 1998. If you haven't seen the 30 for 30 on Sosa and McGuire, watch it now. Just stop listening to the podcast. Go watch it, and you can pick it up right here where we left off. 308, in OPS over 1,000. He slugged 647. He hit 66 bombs. He drove in 158. He finished two hits shy of 200. He had over 400 total bases, and he had a 160 OPS plus. After that, four straight silver sluggers, four top 10 MVP finishes, including second in 2001. All in all, this dude racked up seven all-star appearances and six silver sluggers. He's a two-time member of the 30 homer, 30 stolen base club. And at the end of the day, he's one of nine players all time with 600 or more career home runs. But now the drugs, Pete. In 2005, he sat before Congress with Rafael Palmero, Jose Canseco, and Mark McGuire with an attorney stating that he never took performance-enhancing drugs. In 2009, the New York Times reported that Sosa was on a list of players that tested positive in 2008. That was not the Mitchell report. That was something else. Also in 2003, Sosa broke a bat in the first inning of a game against the Devil Rays at Wrigley. Along with Wood, umpires ruled that Sosa corked his bat. They found shards of cork. PEBs, corked bats. He's been accused of two different types of cheating. He's coming off of a high of 17% of the vote on last year's ballot. He's dropped, he's risen, but he's nowhere close to the 75% needed for induction. He's got a soft spot in my heart and 600 should say automatic first ballot, right? But his, more than anyone else, was an insanely synthetic 600. Not to mention a career 23% strikeout rate and a non-mind-numbing 58.6 career war. But 600, 600. Book it, Pete. First, phenomenal. 
the way you said it and his career. He has very similar connections to steroids as David Ortiz. And yet these two players have been vilified and celebrated in completely different ways. Yeah. Is David Ortiz much more likable than Sammy Sosa just on the surface as a person? Absolutely. We've seen Sammy Sosa do some very strange things, some things with his own skin color, just some strange things in his career. And you can look that up if you'd want. I don't want to get too far into it, but I do want to get into the steroid aspect because a lot of guys, for example, we know some guys are in the Hall of Fame that took steroids. So where do we draw the line considering that I don't think he actually ever tested positive. Like just because he was on this list, there was a lot of names on that list for performance enhancing drugs. We don't know exactly for exactly what he definitely tested positive for. You know, he, he's not, he didn't get accused of perjury because he wasn't lying in front of Congress. Right. He wasn't lying because he can't prove it. It was an anonymous voluntary test that apparently he popped off on in 2003. That's the thing. Anonymous, voluntary. It's not clear that it exactly was steroids. And I'm not trying to say that Sammy Sosa definitely didn't take steroids because we're both looking at each other and we're both smiling considering (laughs) we know he did. But what I'm saying in the grand scheme of things, what's proven is proven. For example, A-Rod, proven. You know, Manny Ramirez, proven. I have a hard time if I know other guys in the Hall of Fame took steroids. I see 609 home runs. I would check the box for Sammy Sosa, quite honestly. I think there was a part of baseball that he saved. I think Bud Sealing turned a blind eye to guys like that for a reason. He was bringing back the sport. And without Sammy Sosa, I don't really know where our sport might be right now. So, in short, Sammy Sosa should make the Hall of Fame and he'd make my ballot. Did you hear that golf cart going by? By the way, if anybody forgot from the first five minutes, I'm in Cabo. Um, Yeah, I mean, like, so my thought on the on the anonymous voluntary thing, it's a lot like those surveys you used to take in high school talking about alcohol and drug use. Right. It was you answered um, answer truthfully. This will remain anonymous. Um, You know, don't need to fill this survey out. But you know that, like, if if you checked any of these boxes, I mean, people were just going to judge the hell out of you. And chances are you were going to the counselor's office, right? Like those do not stay anonymous. So that was uh, the high school survey of, of drug users in major league baseball. Um, yeah. With Sammy, like, here's the thing, what happened in 1998 to expand on your point, he did something that baseball needed in 1998. You were, you were three and a half, four years out of a lockout and the lockout I mean, that was killer to Major League Baseball. Absolutely. You needed this big splash to get the public invested again and to draw the new crowd back in. And to be honest, that was the last lockout. We're in a lockout right now. So baseball might need that big splash. I'm not saying do it with drugs. Um, they should give but, trout steroids and just see what happens. <laughs> I, hit 80 like bonds. <laughs> I think it's bonds. I actually think that if you give Mike Trout steroids, it's Barry Bonds with a little bit more speed. I think that's accurate. But the thing is, Barry Bonds was so fast. He's still over 500 Well, races. he was fast before he chews. That's true. Um, yeah, like, I don't. what Sosa did, what Sosa and McGuire did, like, that sparked this non-baseball interest in baseball. And baseball is going to get it probably from Tatis or Acuna or Wander, like somebody like that who can just do everything and captivate the world. Um, 
and that's what Sosa did. That's what Sosa did before we're having this conversation now. So, you know, I, I stand by my thought that the Hall of Fame is a museum and eras of baseball should be celebrated. And 1998 should be celebrated like crazy because that was as enticing as baseball has been ever. Yeah. I mean, race to Maris. It was this race to Roger Maris. I think you could make the argument that 1998 was one of the greatest seasons in MLB history in terms of just an excitement. In so, terms of intrigue, it's probably number one. And and I know you, you said book it at the end. So you are in the boat where you'd put someone like Sammy Sosa in your Hall of Fame. Like, yeah. I, I feel like you you're still unsure about that. Uh, yeah, I texted you this morning. I was like, um, I don't know if Sosa's a Hall of Famer. I know. And he's, he's not going to be. He's not going to get 75%. No, he's not going to be. his final That's year the on point. the ballot. Yeah, yeah. He, he's off. But the thing is, if we had a ballot, I'm checking his box. Because I sent that, and I was thinking about it, and I was like, okay. It was just, you know, so much more clearly obvious that he did this to get to 600 um, than, than most guys. I mean, same with Manny Ramirez. Like, it's, it's just so clearly obvious that they got there by cheating. And Bonds, yeah, I know he got there by cheating, but he got there and he blew past it. And there's the chance that he would have gotten there without doing it with, with Sosa. I have no idea what he would have done because when he popped off, when he started doing this was when his body changed was when his game changed and you were like, okay, something might be up here. Same thing with McGuire. Right. Um, So, you know, that was, that was just my thinking. And also I got into like the advanced metrics and I like, well, a 23% strikeout rate is not going to cut it, but and 609 homers. 609 home runs, but I think you could also make the argument with Sosa that beyond the power, he wasn't like that great of a player. Like, for example, doesn't have a 900 OPS. You, you're, walk. Yeah, he didn't really walk. I mean, he's got 534 career slugging, which is phenomenal, but with a guy with 600 home runs, you just maybe expect that to be a little bit higher. He doesn't have 3,000 hits. You know... He's just, and he wasn't a great defender. That's why you see the war the way that it is. Yeah. But then again, right field, the position that he played in, it's an offensive driven position. And he was one of the most prolific power hitters at that position. But beyond that, there's not much to, well, I mean, 273 career hitter, you know, struck out a lot. I'm I'm just telling you, man. I look at the I look at the narrative surrounding guys, and obviously Sosa's vilified. But I also look at at the anecdotes about Sammy Sosa, and I mean 1998, the intrigue there. Like that's a moment in time in Major League Baseball. How about the video of him running out with the miniature American flag after 9/11? Like that's Seriously. a moment in baseball. It's a moment. Those, Absolutely, that, those moments matter. Piazza homering right after 9/11, the first homer back in Queens to put him ahead. Like that's a moment, and that added to Piazza's Hall of Fame case because he had this intrigue that it transcended his sport at the time. And when Sosa did that, you know, it's a lot like Poppy after the Boston Marathon when he said, "This is our city." Right? That was Big Poppy becoming Boston, becoming mm-hmm. bigger than the Red Sox. He became Boston for just a fleeting moment. Sosa became the Dominican representation in Major League Baseball. In that moment when he said, this is my home, this is where I got this opportunity, let's go. So I don't know, Th- those moments matter to me. I, we're on the same page, we're checking Sosa's box. We're checking Sosa's box. Let's talk about a guy who was a staunch opponent 
of steroids who played in a very similar era. Jeff Kent. Jeff Kent has the most home runs of any second baseman in history at 377. Just that alone should put him in major consideration for the Hall of Fame after 17 seasons with five different teams. But his bright spot came with the Giants, and over six seasons, he had 175 home runs. Jeff Kent spent a good chunk of his career right in the steroid era, yet was one of the main outspoken voices against steroids, and he never, never showed up in any reports. So kudos to Jeff Kent. And that should be factored into your decision, but he also has a reputation for being a really bad teammate. So, of course, there's always something. Kent was prolific offensively, but he was just not a good defender. That's why he ranks 19th in war, just among second basemen at 55.5, where the average for a Hall of Fame second baseman is 69.7. But... Jeff Kent is an MVP. He's a five-time All-Star, and his 162-game average is he hit 290, 356 on base, slugged 500, 27 bombs, 107 RBIs, and a 123 OPS+. In my opinion, there are too many good players on the ballot for Jeff Kent to make it for me, but He's a guy that if you told me he should make it, I'm not going to argue with you. Right now, he has two years left on the ballot, including this one, and has only garnered about 33% of the vote, signifying that he most likely will not make it. But he was so good for so long that if he makes it, I'd be happy to see him with a plaque in Cooperstown, but he's not going to make my ballot. I love that we agree on him. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Arum kind of put it best. He's a bat first second baseman that didn't provide a ton of value anywhere else. Like he was a prolific home run hitter, but it's not like he reached the 500 home run threshold. But then again, no second baseman has ever hit as many home runs as he has. So that's something on his resume, but that can't be the only thing on your resume. And I think when we talk about war, which I think is one of the better stats and something hall of fame voters hold near and dear to their hearts 19th among just second basemen is something to say. And we talk about even the lowest performing Hall of Famers around that 50 threshold. He is right above that. But without anything, he didn't steal a ton of bases. He wasn't that good of a defender. You know, he's not a champion. It's just like he had some really good years with the Giants. But overall, it can't just be home runs. And if you don't pass a certain threshold, I think to myself, well, Maybe he just doesn't make it, but that doesn't take away from Jeff Kent. I think he might be one of the poster boys for Hall of Very Good. Yeah, he he is. He, he might be front and center in Hall of Very Good. I Seriously. agree with you. He's not getting he's not getting our vote. Um, I just a couple of things that I want to run by you with Jeff Kent, and and I want to make sure they're fair to say. You know what I mean? Like, call me out <laughs> if I'm being mean about okay. Jeff Kent. Um. War is the premier exhaustive, it is the premier stat that takes everything into account, right? WRC plus takes everything into account offensively, but not defensively. Mm-hmm. War is the most often used stat to determine a player's value, to determine how good that player was over the course of their career, right? On both sides of the ball. On both sides of the ball. Jeff Kent being the 19th best second baseman, second base is the least premium position in baseball. Or first. 
I mean, the core versus regardless, it wasn't a premium. It's not a premium position, right? Your offensive liability. If you were to concoct a baseball lineup using just prototypes, your offensive liability, chances are who you deem your worst player is a second baseman. One of them. Fair. Second, second left, maybe. Around there. Uh, yeah, I don't think anyone's going to come at you and say, no, second yeah. baseman is, you know, I think, yeah, you're fine to say that. <laughs> Unless there are second baseman listening to this. Yes. Um, yeah, so Jeff Kent, I mean, being just on the inside of the top 20 at the least premium position in baseball, in my opinion, that doesn't speak highly. Um, also, yeah, he won an MVP. But let's talk about being the best at something because he wasn't the best defensively at anything. Mm-hmm. He was the best power hitting second baseman of all time, sure. But I'm talking in terms of everybody, because if you are a Hall of Famer, you were better than everybody in the game at something at one point. You want to know the only stat that Jeff Kent ever led the American League or National League in? Sack flies. Sack flies pretty underrated. Shut up. Gets rutted. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yeah, you get some high fives in the dugout. I mean, he never led in batting average. He never led in bombs. He never led in doubles. He never led in anything except sack flies. I take that into account. Like, I think you need to be the gold standard at something at least one year. And if he was the gold standard at putting balls into deep left field to score a guy from third base, good for you, Jeff Kent. But that's not sexy. That's not a Hall of Fame thing to do. I don't even know who the career leader in sack flies is all time. Might be Jeff Kent. I might look at that when uh, when you're doing Gary Sheffield. No, it's, it's funny because when you look at him compared to other second basemen, yes, was he the all-time leader in home runs? Yes, as a second baseman. But like a guy like Marcus Semien hit over 40 home runs this year. Jeff Kent never hit over 40 home runs in a season. And if we're talking about war, he sits right next to a guy like Ian Kinsler. Is Ian Kinsler in anybody's mind a Hall of Famer? I don't even know if you're putting Ian Kinsler in the Hall of Very Good conversation. Like, I don't yeah. know if Ian Kinsler ever makes a ballot. And yet Jeff Kent, because he's the prolific power guy, should be a Hall of Famer. I don't know if I can get behind that. You know, an 855 OPS, like he was a great hitter. But the reality of the situation is, did he drive in a bunch of runs? Yes. Did he almost hit 300 for his career? Yes. But another guy. No 3,000 hits, not even 2,500 hits, you know. Boy, did I just get down a rabbit hole for you. (laughs) Career leaders in sack flies all time. Jeff Kent's 103 sack flies is in a four-way tie for 25th all time on the sack fly leaderboards. Who's number one? He's in a uh, number one is actually Eddie Murray. I mean, the top six is super impressive actually eddie murray cal ripkin jr robin yount hank aaron frank thomas george brett that's pretty impressive that is pretty impressive this four-way tie for 25th you ready for the other three names that have 103 career sack flies yes amos otis former player for the kansas city royals and a couple others adrian beltre legend and jeff conine really shout out (laughs) jeff conine you guys got to go check out outside the box with Jeff Conine. It's Aram and Jeff. They host a weekly pod. They just had on Jason Stark. Go check out that podcast. It's under the Just Baseball Podcast Network. Can we apologize for shitting on sack flies if Jeff Conine is tied with Jeff Kent? I'm sorry. No, I mean, you were the one shitting on sack flies. I I called them underrated. It's getting a run in. (laughs) I'll raise my hand. Doing a job. You know, I wonder who leads in moving the guy from second to third on like a ground ball to second base. I don't think baseball reference has that. 
<laughs> That'd be so cool. You find out just the ultimate move the guy over guy. God. Those guys go really underrated. It might be Nick Madrigal. <laughs> Already. 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 Um, all right. You want to talk about Manny Ramirez? He's a lot sexier than Jeff Kent. But our final verdict on Jeff Kent's no. No. Manny Ramirez. Better career than Sammy Sosa. Fair? I think that's fair. At least. When, yeah. Man, when I tell you that Manny Ramirez was a wagon, <laughs> in a moment, I want to walk you through his 11-year stretch he went on. But first, let's go through his career numbers. 19 years of Major League Baseball, 2,300 games played, nearly 2,600 hits, 555 home runs, 547 doubles, over 1,800 career RBIs, a career 312 hitter with a 411 OBP. That's a 99-point jump and a career 996 OPS. Manny Ramirez had more war than Miggy, Pudge, Tony Gwynn, Eddie Murray, Carlton Fisk, Ernie Banks, Ryan Sandberg, the list goes on. Now his 162-game average. He slashed 312, 411, 585, 38 Mm. doubles, 39 homers, 129 runs driven in, 94 walks, 15 intentional walks on a yearly basis, and Mm. a 154 OPS plus. The nine-time Silver Slugger and two-time World Series champ, he went to 12 All-Star games, 11 of them coming consecutively now that 11 year stretch it started as a 26 year old in cleveland it ended as a 36 year old wearing dodger blue from 1998 until 2008 manny ramirez was a three-time league leader in both obp and slugging each year he led in slugging he led in ops in nine of those 11 years he finished top 10 in mvp voting in those 11 years he had nine seasons where he hit over 300 Six of those 11 years, over 320, seven out of eight years within that stretch, he had an OPS over 1,000. And across those 11 years, Manny Ramirez averaged 38 bombs at 123 driven in. Now the juice. Manny was suspended in 2009 for 50 games after he tested positive for HCG, human uh, chorionic, yeah, human chorionic gonadotropin. HCG, by the way, primarily used as a women's fertility drug, but can also be used to increase sperm count in men. Manny retired in 2011 with the possibility of an 100-game suspension looming over an issue stemming from what was assumed to be another positive test. This guy's numbers is big game flair, him cutting off Johnny Damon in the outfield, his name in Red Sox lore. He's a Hall of Famer if we're letting the druggies in. I think Manny Ramirez should be a Hall of Famer. And what's crazy is Manny Ramirez is still playing. 48 years old, he was playing for the Sydney Blue Sox in the Australian League. This is a guy who's still chasing the dream. I mean, say whatever you want about Manny Ramirez. Can't say that he doesn't love the game. What and dream, uh, I know that he would do anything that he can to continue to play this game. Yeah, but like now? I mean, he was like player coach galore. That was hilarious. When you look at Manny Ramirez's, because we were just talking about um, Sosa's career, and I was like, ah, maybe, but actually looking at it, like, for example, Manny Ramirez didn't hit, only hit 547 home runs, but he has a 50-point advantage in slugging percentage. He was just a generally a better slugger and a more imposing bat, one of the best right-handed bats that I've ever seen in my entire life. And I remember just growing up 
genuinely, like as an eight, nine-year-old, like I was genuinely terrified of David Ortiz and Manny Ramirez in that three, four, like there's very few times. I mean, even as an adult, you know, I don't really get scared anymore, but there's obviously that like, Oh my God, these dudes rake. It it went from being genuinely scared as an eight-year-old as a 24 year old, just being like, Oh my God, like this is terrifying in the sense of that. But like Manny Ramirez gave me physical nightmares. (laughs) And if you give someone actual nightmares, it's hard to keep you out of the hall of fame. Manny Ramirez is a legend and He's a baseball lifer and he's got an OPS at 996 for his career, almost at a thousand OPS for his career. He should be in the Hall of Fame. And, but I mean, the steroids thing, like how long was he taking it for? Right. Um, when exactly did he take it? I mean, we're going through a lot of guys who started their careers in the 90s, one of the early 2000s, right in the thick of it. And, and here's the thing. Uh, Manny is one of the very few on the Hall of Fame ballot that actually publicly failed a drug test. Yeah. It's cloudy with a lot of people, but I mean, he publicly failed too. He had 165 RBIs in 1999. Yeah. He's top 20 all time in career RBIs. The only guys within the top 20 with him that aren't in the Hall of Fame are Albert Pujols, who's going to get in unanimously when he is eligible. Alex Rodriguez, we've already gotten into that conversation. Barry Bonds, we're going to get into that conversation next week. And then Rafael Palmero. Like, those are the only guys within the top 20 in career RBIs that aren't in the Hall of Fame. And they all, I mean, Pujols doesn't have the thing in common, but everybody else has the thing in common. Yeah. I, there's not much else to say about Manny Ramirez. It's just kind of like, does he have the numbers to make it? No yeah. doubt about it. How do you value steroids? In my opinion, I've said it before. I think if there are guys already in it, if you meet the criteria, you should just be in the Hall of Fame. I don't think we necessarily have to pick and choose. But if you are picking and choosing, like Manny Ramirez almost makes that kind of echelon that you're talking about where he is so far a Hall of Famer that maybe if you were picking and choosing, Manny Ramirez might be a guy who you say, all right, he's still in. Would you say that? Yeah, absolutely. He gets our vote. He gets our vote. How about another guy who admitted to doing steroids? Gary Sheffield is one of the few players in MLB history to enter the league as a 19-year-old and finish as a 40-year-old. In his 22 seasons, he had the chance to shine for eight teams, and man, did he rake. But this is one of the more interesting cases on the ballot, considering Sheffield did admit to using steroids as he was caught up in the Balco scandal but only said he used them before and during the 2002 season. But was that the only time that he ever did steroids? I'm not really sure. As from 2003 to 2005, he finished second, third, and eighth in MVP voting from his age 34 to age 36 season. He finished top three in MVP voting only one other time as a 23-year-old. But here's what we do know. Sheffield was one of the best power and speed combinations the game has ever seen. Not only did he pass the 500 home run threshold with 509, but he also stole 253 bases. Only Barry Bonds, Alex Rodriguez, and Willie Mays have passed those thresholds of 500 home runs and 250 stolen bases. I'll say that again. Only Barry Bonds, A-Rod, Willie Mays, 
and Gary Sheffield have hit at least 500 home runs and stole 250 bases. He has a higher walk rate than a K rate for his career. He hit almost 300 for his career. He has a 141 WRC plus. He's a nine-time All-Star. And to wrap it all up, he's a World Series champion in 1997. If you consider any of the steroid guys for the Hall of Fame, Sheffield needs to be on your list, and he's certainly on mine. Yeah, I Gary Sheffield, he was walking more than striking out before it was cool, before really anybody placed stocked in or placed stock in that. With Sheffield, I find it funny because he admit to doing them in the 2002 season. Yeah? Yeah. Yes. So from 1999 to 2005, argument is totally there that 2002 was his worst year. It's weird, right? I'd, if you're going to do them, go all out. <laughs> that's what I was just like. Are you sure? Like, are you sure that's the only season? And it was funny. Guess what? Guess who he's working out with in that season? Um, where was it? Like wild guess. He was with the Dodgers in that season. No, he was with Atlanta. Uh, no, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a teammate of his. It wasn't a teammate. Was it Canseco? It was Barry Bonds. Like, that was Bonds. Okay. Like, yeah, fair. Fair. I just, it, it's like he was fantastic, but then some of his best seasons came from 2003 to 2005 as a 34 to 36 year old. I have, I, we normally don't see a lot of primes in the mid 30s. But you know what's always sticks with me about Gary Sheffield when we talk about moments, like moments that people remember? He might have the most recognizable batting stance in the history of the game. The wobble of the wrists. That might be more famous than his actual name, if you think about it. I think it. so. Absolutely. Right? I oh, mean, you've got, it on YouTube. you've got that. You've got, so I'm thinking batting stances, right? And batting stance guy, we got to get batting stance guy on here at some point. But, yeah. you know, Griffey pushing it off the shoulder. I'm thinking Ichiro extending and, you know, pulling up the sleeve, right? Um, I mean, who else ahead of Sheffield? Ichiro. Ichiro Griffey. Griffey. Weird one, but Kevin Euclid. Everybody had a Kevin Euclid. Everyone knows Kevin Euclid. The Greek god of walks. I'm trying to think of more ones that everyone. No, I wouldn't put Pujols in that. No, but Pujols was very imitatable. Very imitatable. Also, who does Sheffield go in as if he were to make it? Because you play with the Marlins for six years, the Dodgers for four, the Brewers for four, the Yankees for three, the Braves for two, the Padres for two, the Tigers for two, and the Mets for one. I think a Marlin or a Dodger, I'd assume Marlin. Right, it has to be the Marlins. Let's. It has to be. But, I mean, he, as a Dodger, slash 312, 424 OBP, 573 slugging, hit 120 nine home runs in four seasons versus 122 with the Marlins in six seasons. Yeah. But and he only played 32 more games with the Marlins. Only played 32 more games with the Marlins, but that's, yeah. that's the thing in the beginning of his career, he wasn't nearly as prolific as he was moving into his thirties. But I mean, in his twenties, he was still a four time all-star finished top six in MVP voting twice and came away with two silver sluggers. But it was really what elongated his career was in his 30s. 
Like, for example, as a as a 35-year-old with the Yankees in 2004, I actually remember this season very well. 290, 393, 534 slugging, 36 bombs, 121 RBIs with a 927 OPS. And I think his overall war would be higher because his war is not that high. He wasn't that great of a defender, but then again, this is right field where, you know, the defense Dude. isn't as, I mean, he's a prolific hitter. He should be in the Hall of Fame. His 162 game average was a minus 1.7 war defensively. Yeah. D war. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we're talking about three or four actually. Cause Kent, Kent was average. Kent was like a, a career zero war guy defensively. Like, I mean, Sammy Sosa, Manny Ramirez, and Gary Sheffield all were like negative 30 guys in terms of defensive war. But they were much career. more prolific offensively than Jeff. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just like, when it, you compare Jeff Kent to other second basemen, you say, wow, he was incredibly right. prolific. But that's, I mean, that's not exactly where we're going with here. Like, oh, like he's Rogers. Right. Also, you look at like Rogers Hornsby's numbers. I know we're getting off track, but like, oh my God. Yeah, but he like, he I was, know, I know they were soft. It was softballs. I get it. I hate the, I hate the era conversation because I'll, I'll, I'll say this again. And I don't know if I've actually mentioned this on the podcast but I've mentioned it in live streams and on, on our TikTok and on our Instagram and on my Twitter at Peter Apple 23, by the way, go check me out. Nice plug. Nice. Plug. Yeah. But how do we contextualize era? For example, Babe Ruth, Bill Russell. I get the Babe Ruth would hit 140 in today's game. Bill Russell would be Tyson Chandler in today's game. And I'm like, all right. So are you just taking Babe Ruth and Bill Russell with no training, no real sense of how the diet works, not as good of a sense of, of just training in the game in general, no TV, no social media, no connections, no, no IMG academies. And then you just place them in today's game or do they get to be born in the same time period? Do they get to grow up? And then maybe we'd get to see their talent. I think it's a stupid argument. So I see how good were you in your era and the best players in their era, I rank highly in. That's why I'm in the boat that Babe Ruth is the greatest player of all time. And that's not even Yankee bias. Let's talk about WRC plus. That is the best stat to help contextualize across era. You know, who's number one in WRC plus Babe fucking Ruth. More than Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds is top five. Yes. Is Barry Bonds probably like you watch his swing. But and then you can say, well, Babe Ruth was facing milkman. I get it, but Barry Bonds was on steroids. There, there's something that you could poke at with all of them. You're just so fighting a losing battle right now. I don't <laughs> care. I'm gonna fight it. I'm gonna fight it till the day I die because I believe in it. I, I don't like the the I and and I, I was even arguing with Arm that like his his um that you always take the modern player and i'm like all right well that makes the decision easy mike trout's the best player of all time there it is done i know you've got uh, a theater background i know your dad um well your dad teaches theater at UC. Yeah, he's the chair of the theater department went to princeton then went to studied at juilliard and my grandma was actually shout out my grandma libby apple she was the first woman chair of the Oregon or the Oregon shakespeare festival um so i got a lot of theater in my background i'm a performer yeah. I'm not a media yeah. personality. I'm a, you know what? I'm an actor. I'm not even a media guy. I'm an actor. That's, what are you I'm going to call, call myself that. Hold on. What are you doing? That's not authentic. True. Yeah. Maybe right? I'm not an actor. 
but I think it's cooler. Like, what, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm an actor. Where do you act? <laughs> no. On my phone. <laughs> I'm a TikTok star. <laughs> you know, Lil Huddy, that's me. That's the problem because I'm not acting. It's actually genuinely like I say not right. gambling advice, but we all know that bit. I mean, I'm freaking also. Did you just admit it on the pod? No, it's not gambling advice. Okay, good, good, good. Um, no, so what I was going to say with that is like, um, what, what you just got into is, uh, I'm sure you took an improv class at some point, right? Doing the, doing the yes. You never took an improv class. No, um, because I never got into acting like they did. I was always much more into sports while my sisters were, um, in the theater and my sister is at San Diego state right now. She's the lead in the play, but they just found out that, uh, first two weeks are still remote due to the Omer Krizzle. Omer Krizzle. The Omer Krizzle, as Snoop yeah, Dogg might a, say. Have a very Snoop Christmas. Um, yeah, so in improv classes, you, you can do an exercise that pretty much is just compounding yes and. And you got to keep on building. And it never ends. Like it ends when the, when the teacher says stop. Um, somebody says something and you have to reply with yes and, and then build. And then they say yes and. Um, and and that's, that's the era conversation there. It, it never has to stop. The only way it stops is if one of you wants to go to bed. That's the only way that conversation halts. Uh, so I prefer <laughs> just to not talk about it. I know you and Arm are in the same boat. It's like, why even talk about it? I'm like, why talk about anything? Why talk about anything? I think Listen, like the LeBron Jordan conversation. I could do a podcast every single day. No on that way. Shit. No I love way. it. Oh, gross. I'm obsessed with it. I have gross. Oh, I could watch. You know how much of a piece of shit I am? I could watch <laughs> Stephen A and Skip Bayless argue over that or any of these guys. I eat it up and I can't tell you why. I just love it. I love this. That's why I love the Hall of Fame discussion so much because I love diving deep into the numbers, deciding who was better. I do like it and I'm not ashamed of it. Um, should we end the pod on that? <laughs> I don't know where to go from there. Well, what we should end the pod is that in our description, we have a new shirt, hashtag bigger than baseball. And we are donating all of the proceeds from the shirt. Plus we are matching up to $500 worth of sales where we are donating it to Kentucky and a lot of the charities down there in the South that were affected by the tornadoes. We are keeping close watch. We have multiple of our staff members down there in Kentucky helping out as well. We really want to make a push for this and to help those families during the holidays. So go check that through the link in our description. Also, um, after you get your Bigger Than Baseball, I always say get that shirt before you dip into the Not Gambling Advice shirt, which I am wearing right now, as well as just baseball hats, hoodies. We got it all. It's probably a good idea to get a hoodie right now. If, if uh, But then again, with global warming, and my, uh, Santa Barbara might be the only place where it's actually raining. Yeah, yeah I don't think it's a good idea for me. I don't, I don't think I need a hoodie right now. I think I can get away with a hat though. Um, yeah, thanks, Dick. Yeah, no problem. But yeah, the bigger than baseball shirts, they're big time. Uh, we've got three guys in Lexington. Clay Snowden is a big Reds guy. Give him a follow. Um, Clay Snowden on Twitter. No, it's um, funny. His, his name on Twitter is Clay, Clay underscore Reds. Reds yeah, which Clay I love. <laughs> underscore Reds, which is perfect. He just made his debut on the Just Baseball show earlier this week. It's phenomenal. Um, we, we played GM with the Reds and they're so hard to they're so hard because they're hard. I mean, we've talked about them. Like they are in this purgatory. I didn't, I call the reds, the Portland trailblazers. Yeah. I think it's like kind of perfect. It's just, you, right. 
And it, you're so in the middle that if you go one way, like, do you tear it down? Do you just rebuild? Do you just retool? Do you just go all in? It's so impossible, but we it's went impossible. through it all. So go check out episode 123 of the Just Baseball Show. Yeah, this is 124. And uh, yeah, Kendall McKee, uh, T. Wright, they both uh, are big in the collectibles sphere in Just Baseball. Wild cards trading. If you want to, you know, get into the collectibles, give them a follow there. Um, yeah, I listen, that is... Uh, that's what you should be doing, right? If you if you feel like you could be in the giving mood, do it because it's all going there. So it's all going there. Um, also, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to everybody. Yeah. Yes, we are those psychos who records on a Christmas Eve and gives you a Christmas Eve. We won't give you a Christmas podcast, but you could bet your ass we'll be back on Monday and we're going to finish the Hall of Fame conversation. We're going to fill out our ballot. We're going to keep playing GM. Also, you know what's kind of exciting? I'm starting a new podcast. Not too sure of the name yet. Um, Might be doing some little fantasy. Might be doing a little gambling with Colby Olsen. So stay tuned to hear about that. It's not set in stone yet, but I do want to give a little bit of a sneak peek. Oh. Oh. 2022. Thank you, everybody. 